You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 162, Julie Court and the Power of Forgiveness. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of Halfway There. I'm your host, Eric Nevins. Thank you so much for joining me. As always, this is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. We care a lot about the story that you have to tell because it really is not just your testimony. Of course, that's obvious, but it is the power of God in your life. Your story, your experience of him it is and demonstrates his power. And I think that matters so much more than sometimes we give credit. So that's what we're here to do. Today, this conversation is a really powerful one. I can't wait to tell you about it. Um, we all go through hard things, and uh, this is, is some tough situations. Um, but I think, I think you'll you'll be really blessed as we discuss it uh, here in a second. Hey, I want to just encourage you, if you have not jumped onto our mailing list at halfwaytherepodcast.com. Um, please do that. I'd love to be able to keep in touch with you, uh, to be able to send you email. I send out an email every week that uh, tells you all about what's gonna what's coming up in the in the show notes. I'm also getting ready to come up with uh, a couple of other things that you um, that will be new for the for 2020. And I'd love to keep you updated on those as well. I know you're around the house, you're cooking dinner you're um, doing other things, uh, you're listening to this while you're busy. I get it. Uh, but if you get just a second, go out to the website and just drop on, jump onto that. I have a little download that I'll give you. It's called What to Do When You're Mad at God. It's based on Habakkuk. You might not be in that place right now. It's okay. It's really a good little read, and I think it'll help you out as well. All right, so enough of that. Hey, thank you so much again for being here. Uh, this conversation is with a woman. She is a author, a speaker, a motivational coach. Um, definitely that comes out in our conversation. She's been through um, a lot of things, and the Lord was really present to her. She has this really intimate relationship, which are some of my most favorite stories. I think you'll enjoy this one as well. So our guest today is Julie Court. Julie, welcome to Halfway There. Well, thank you so much for having me today. I am glad to have you and uh, just interview you and get get some uh, get some gems from your story. So I can't wait to hear more about that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of where you are and what you're doing right now? Well, I am a motivational author and speaker. So I host women's conferences and speak at community business groups, that sort of thing. I also teach a couple leader groups of equipping Christian leaders and business owners to be able to live out their faith uh, in their own families, in their own stressful situations, but also so that they can help other people more effectively. And then I also offer transformation coaching. If someone would like help getting a victory, getting a breakthrough, and they'd like help implementing one or more concepts out of my book into their everyday lives. Great. Okay. So that gives us a good view of where you are right now. The interesting part of your journey is kind of how you got here because you've been through a lot 
And um, that is uh, certainly an interesting story. So take us take us back. I know your childhood. I was reading about that t- today. It was uh, it was it was a little traumatic. You had some traumatic moments. Yes, um, I grew up in an alcoholic home and uh, with codependence um, surrounding that, and um, had good times and bad times. Um, my parents loved me. Um, but then that, that marriage ended in divorce. And at that point, at a, at a pretty young age, I kind of in my head did a childlike thing and assumed that it was like all my fault. And if I had been a better child, if I had been a better person, yeah. you know, my parents would still be together. Isn't that weird how that happens? Like even as a little kid, you think it's your fault, right? Like if you could have just done something, you know, I don't, I don't share this a lot, but my parents got divorced when I was 25. And I thought it was my fault my whole life that they didn't get along. It wasn't like, I know that wasn't, but it took me a long time to kind of figure that out. It's kind of a natural thing that you believe as a, as a kid of divorce. Yeah, it was kind of weird. And then the, the situation actually ended up getting worse because my mom ended up finding what she thought was a knight in shining armor and mm. he ended up being a, a wife abuser um, pornographic and violent and, and ended up with real emotional, spiritual issues in my life because we would run away and then he would find us and we would go back. And that happened over and over until my belief in God was totally obliterated. And I did what a lot of people who experienced trauma did is I blame God and mm. I ended up thinking that I could protect myself, take care of myself. And that was a safer, better place. Yeah. I was going to ask about that because I think the, the whole thing, certainly any time your father figure fails you in some way that affects your relationship with God, but then to have kind of two people who could be father figures in your life fail you in that way. And one be abusive, that must've really damaged kind of your view of who God was not to mention, I know you talk about this, um, just the idea of, is God going to step in here? Is he going to do anything? You really didn't have a a confidence in God as a protector at all. Not after, not after we kept coming. I, I did, I had a relationship with God as a child and I loved going to church. Mm. But as we entered into this um, home with this stepfather, um, going to church stopped. And then there was actually, it felt like torture living with this person who was very, very, um, emotionally and mentally abusive to me. And so when, when you have your source of security become your oppressor, it, it just really messed me up on the inside. And so it wasn't until God sent an alluring light into my life uh, by the name of Miriam. And um, she began to love me and include me. And uh, she began to uh, explain um, God to me, God's unconditional love to someone who would ask her horrible questions like, if God is so loving, then why do babies die? Yeah. When was that? Well, how old were you at when you met Miriam? I was about 15. Okay. And so I had, and I had a lot of bitterness and hatred against authority. And um, she would, her mom was a youth leader. Um, of the youth group, and they would kind of research the Bible 
And Miriam would grapple with these questions that a lot of adults would have a problem answering. And she would um, bring out the truth of the Bible in a, in a way that highlighted God's love and his wisdom and his truth and that we live in a fallen world and just all of it. And in three years, she took what was an immovable defense that no one was getting through and by spending time with me and just loving me and explaining God to me, the drip, drip, drip of love and truth wore a hole in my defenses. And one day I finally accepted Jesus as my savior and Lord again. Well, what was that like? Tell us that story. Like, how did that come about? Like, take us into that moment. Yeah, well, they. I had been coming to youth group and... Um, I had been going to her house and the atmosphere in her house felt so different. Mm. Like I loved just, even though her family was much, they were very poor. And in the winter time, there was actually ice on the inside of the windows in the room we slept in. Yeah. But the thing is the love in that house drew me like, um, like light, like a bug to a light outside. I just couldn't stay away. And eventually they invited me to come to a youth convention. And in the stairwell at two o'clock in the morning, mm. here's Julie finally saying, I need you, Jesus. And I took the risk of letting God back in my life because they had, God used ordinary people to explain an extraordinary God to me. Yeah. Wow. I love that because he loves to relate with ordinary people too. Right. That's right. Man, that is the best. Okay. So I love that story because I think it demonstrates the power of, uh, of one family, but also just of just investing in other people and being willing to be part of their lives, even when it's a little bit messy and, and feeling, you know, maybe difficult. I mean, it's hard to answer some of those questions, right. But for her to just go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out. And she really loved you. Did you maintain a relationship with Miriam for a long time or was that? Um, actually when I went to college, she went off to, a, to other, yeah. other and, um, but we still, um, when we see each other, we still have that bond Cool. that, that time transcends. And, um, I'm just so thankful that, God used her in my life because not everybody will love someone who's as angry mm. and as dysfunctional as I was. And I, I just think that we can choose to stop for the one and love the one. And I like to think that all the good that I've done in my life as a Bible teacher and um, as just being part of the body of Christ, it, uh, she gets to share in that because oh yeah, she invested in me. Yeah, I love that too. I think the the ripple effects of of that, um, you know, are amazing. I, I'm there's yeah, we've heard so many of those stories. I think that's great. So, yeah. so okay, you so you come to Christ around age fifteen or so. You said. So where does that take you? And and maybe Miriam was part of your discipleship. I don't know, but how how did you start to get into the Word and learn and kind of learn the ways of Jesus? Well, so I met Miriam. I mean, I, she really started being my close friend probably at 15. And then it wasn't until I was 18 about that. I actually accepted. Okay. Her. All right. She, she was discipling me because I had been a Christian as a young person. And so even though 
I yeah. wasn't, um, she was sewing into me those three years. And then I went off to college and I, I joined campus ministries. And by the second year at college, I was head of campus ministries. Oh, wow. So you were always a leader. Well, I, people say that. Yeah. <laughs> I just consider myself a bond servant. Sure. And I go where he sends me and I help who he puts in my path. But leadership is a gift. And so if that's something that God gifted you to do, you'll end up in those positions. And that's, that's how that works. Yeah. It is. And yes, that's what happens. Uh, and plus when you're a teacher um, and equips people to live for Christ, yeah, and they can benefit and grow faster. Um, I love to do that. I love to help people to get to the next level. And that's why I do what I do. Well, tell me about developing that gift then as a college student. What was that like? And take us into maybe a story when you realized, oh, I see what's happening here. I see what I'm able to do. Yeah, well, I just, um, I loved being part of gathering Christians because I was, I was the Jesus freak. I was the one who, it was all about the Lord because when you have lived with evil mm. and you get delivered yeah. and you into the freedom and you come into the brilliant thinking of Jesus and you have an atmosphere of love, it is so beautiful that you just can't help telling people about it. And I wish I had been wiser because I had all the passion, but sometimes lacked the wisdom of how to communicate it. You were young. It's okay. It's all right. <laughs> we all have those moments. <laughs> I made lots of mistakes um, in how to communicate it properly to people who, you know, like weren't Christians and people who were making really bad choices because I wanted them so bad to go to heaven and I wanted them so bad to discover what I had discovered. Oh, and yeah. The hurts and wounds. And that's where the seven phases of transformation start started to happen in my life was when God began to heal me and transform me by the word and by the Holy Spirit teaching and counseling me. And that's where the beauty of getting married and be, being a mother and eventually homeschooling and all these things that were broken, he transformed into wholeness. And that's when I really began to lead other people into freedom because you can give away every victory God gives you. And so that's what the seven phases are is they're the steps and the pathway to freedom and wholeness, biblically based strategies, biblically based practical um, applications in the book. Um, but I didn't intend on writing a book. I just learned it while I was yeah. with my kids. Yeah, well, that's awesome. So take us through some of that process for you. And uh, so what what was that like? So you were, you were learning in college and then um, you got married. So was that a, was that a, like a difficult transition for you? Because you had some kind of hard, you know, probably feelings about marriage, I'm guessing. I did. Actually, I thought that I would never get married, um, but I did. Understandable. Yeah, but... Um, I had an interesting experience where I was a computer professional and I was going to go work at NASA. And um, I ended up going to a computer conference 
and down in New Orleans. And I had all these computer professionals and other students. It was like they were gravitating toward me. And we were having these wonderful connective communications. And I realized that these computer professionals were starved for actual love and connection with people. They were so good at technology. And I was in a relationship um, and I decided that instead of choosing a, a power career and staying single, I decided to choose a life that was filled with love and family and connection instead. Wow, that's great. Okay, so what happened then? So you decided, you said, okay, I'm going to uh, forsake the career. I'm going to get married. And then you have kids. Was that was that hard for you? Like, was that, how did God kind of heal well, that? I was really excited that someone, he was a Christian, and I kind of fell in love with him when we were praying and attending Bible study together. But it was really when we were praying together that I fell in love. Mm. And I was actually excited to get married. I was excited for that journey because I really inside after the things that had happened earlier in my life, I didn't think I would find anyone who would really love me. And so I was actually pretty darn excited about that. And, and then I found that through having children, um, God taught me and healed me in so many of my ways. Um, but there is one thing that probably equipped me to go into marriage and that was learning how to forgive the people who had not taken care of me and the people who had on purpose abused me. And so. Well, tell us how you learned that, because that is a huge thing. Forgiveness is something we often talk about, but we don't usually talk about how to do it or what the actual experience of forgiving someone is like. So give, give us, take us into that experience. Well, it was the Holy spirit, but I, um, the people who discipled me taught me that I had to forgive in order to get free myself. And so this is like, this part of the book is very raw and real because I did the same thing. Most people who have experienced trauma do and that was to let my emotions dictate how I could never forgive my stepfather because he didn't deserve it. And with everything that he had done to me, I didn't think I had the capacity because my emotions were in charge to forgive. But then the people who discipled me convinced me to go ahead, they were like showing me in the Bible that this is a command. It's not a choice for a Christian. Like it is a choice, but we're commanded to forgive our enemy. And it's clear. And so they actually kind of taught me mm. that I could choose to obey scripture. And that's why in my book, I have a diagram of a train and in the front of the train is my will that I can align with the direction of the Holy Spirit and with printed words in the Bible that I know what God's will is. I don't have to pray about yeah. whether or not forgiving is God's will. 
Right. Well, I mean, there's that example, right? Obviously the example of Jesus is God, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. So you see, okay. So did you go through a process of, of going, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose to forgive, but then did your emotions follow along with that? Like, cause that's a, you're right. A lot of us are led by our emotions. I'm curious how that works. Yeah. So what I did was I, and this prayer model is in my book. I literally encourage people to say as an act of my will so that your spirit man is in charge of what you're doing as an act of my will. I choose to forgive so-and-so in Jesus name. And, but then that does not get you out of the forever mill of forgiveness though. Because what we don't do as a Christian philosophy is we don't teach people to pair that sentence with Colossians chapter three that says to put off all bitterness, resentment, Mm. anger, rage, um, jealousy, envy. And these are the things that when we choose to forgive, but we don't actually process the emotion that it's lodged in, if we keep that in our heart, the forgiveness just recedes or the unforgiveness just stays there. And we end up praying the prayer, the words of forgiveness, but we don't actually get the benefit in our heart. So that's why step two, the Lord showed me I had to get those feelings that were a result of the damage, I had to get them out of my heart and get my heart clean again. And that's why the second step for me personally is so critical, which is I choose to let go of the bitterness or whatever that person, whatever is lodged in there. Like some people, I've heard people say, I want to kill them. I want to make them pay you yeah. actually get to choose to say, I reject cooperating with those feelings and I cut them off and I cast them out of me. And I know that that's strange verbiage, but you get to decide the condition of your own heart. Yeah, I totally agree. You can choose your feelings or, and you can definitely be aware of your feelings, right? Okay, I'm feeling better. And then you can work through that and go, okay, uh, how do I let that go? You know, sometimes the questions that you ask matter, right? So, uh, it may take some time, even it may take a while. That's okay. It's okay for it to take a while. Um, but you need to do it and you got it. You have to go through it. I love that. I love that connection to Colossians three, uh, get rid of envy and bitterness and rage and all those things. Um, they don't serve you and they really aren't the way of Jesus. And so that's, that's super important. Um, if you want to kind of take those next steps, man, I agree with that a lot. So that really being able to forgive and let make a choice and then connect your heart to it allowed you to kind of step into marriage, which marriage is one of those places you've got to have forgiveness, right? (laughs) Yep. Every day. Yeah. And then the, the third step of forgiveness actually is Jesus talked about several times about blessing your enemy. Mm hmm. You know you're totally free. And the reason I want to bring this up is people 
um, in marriages, people in churches, people at work, um, people in politics, like they hurt us. And in order to pull those arrows out of ourselves, we have to go through step one, step two, and then step three, when I can say I bless them and I release all the love of God of them over their lives, I'm free. Right. Right. And we see that in, in people who are in that sort of life of love stage of, 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 um, of the journey. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. It seems like it's, it'd be hard to do, but it is possible, right? It is what God calls us to. I had someone in a radio interview once say, but, but sometimes I'm just not ready. And I'm like, as an act of your will, you can do what your emotions aren't ready for and you can choose to obey. And you, here's my challenge to every listener. You can choose how fast you get to freedom. Yeah. By what you partner with, you can partner with the word. You can partner with forgiveness. You can like release that bitterness and resentment and get as close to God's love as you want by making a choice. How did that work out practically in your relationship with your, I don't know if your stepfather was still around, maybe he was, he was gone, but how did that work out practically for you to go, okay, I forgive? I ended up having to go through those three steps. Um, but the most important thing was that forgiving really ended up getting me out of the prison. It didn't really affect him because by that time that I was praying those prayers, Uh, I wasn't living with him anymore. He was out of your life. And so it really, though, uh, freed me from a prison so that I didn't take that into all of my relationships, into my marriage, into my relationships with every pastor, with every boss. And it's just incredibly freeing. Well, yeah, because we all know those people who are just sort of bitter and angry and they treat you badly, but they're not mad at you right? They're mad at something else that happened and they're living with bitterness and anger, whether it's at themselves or at something else that happened in their life. And you don't want to be that person, right? Nobody wants to be that person. But so even if they're not still there, it's important to forgive. Okay. That's good. I was just curious about that. Okay. So take us through then, um, you know, so you, you have kids and you made a decision to like homeschool and, and do that. How, that seems like a big decision. So how, how'd you, uh, well, actually, my, my husband at the time prayed, and, and after a couple years, the opportunity came to, and the Lord, I really felt like the Lord wanted me to do it, and um, it just became a time of living only for God to see what I was doing, because no one else did most of the time, and learning to live above what other people, what's going to impress other people. Um, or what other people even see as beneficial. Um, And what it did for me personally was a lot of other things, motivations were purified, the ability to see myself as a servant. And one thing during that time, the Lord asked me the question, if I asked you to serve one old lady in a room where no one saw would you do that for me? And I said, yes, Lord, I would. And then to live that out in homeschooling, 
in leaving, because at that time I left a career as a systems analyst mm-hmm. for a really exciting company. And then to go into a period of uh, where you're invisible, it really purifies your motivation of why am I serving Jesus? Yeah. So you had to wrestle with is, you know, does this matter even if nobody sees it? And, uh, and so obviously in your children, there's a, there's a answer there, right? Yes. Yeah. They matter. Right. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Well, that's an interesting spiritual connection. I think, do you often, uh, speak to the Lord that way? Cause that's, I always find very interesting. Well, the Lord and I have a very intimate relationship. Um, because he's asked me to go to communist countries where I might die. Um, and every time I come up higher in the kingdom and I come closer to hit, to understanding him and his heart. And one of my favorite times was when he asked me to go to Kenya and um, they were in the middle of a civil uprising. Oh, wow. And I booked my ticket And by the time the time came to go, the uprising was over. And I learned two things out of that experience. The first one was, it says in Hebrews chapter 11, that faith is the evidence of things hoped for. And a faith decision is taking a step towards something when you can't see the result yet. Am I booking that ticket was a step of faith in hopes of getting there. Right. But not knowing what the country was going to be like when I got there. And then in that interim, the Lord asked me if I would preach on forgiveness. And I said, you're sending me a white woman to preach in a African nation. And they're in the middle of an uprising and you're going to send a woman about forgiveness. Are you crazy? <laughs> he I is, want to live. He is a little crazy, actually. That's <laughs> He's often <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> but the beautiful thing was, at the end of that sermon, I was able to say, if you have done something during this uprising that has harmed your neighbor and you need forgiveness from them, come to this part of the stage and a whole bunch of people came up. They're carrying hurts and wounds from an uprising. Wow. And some, and then I, another portion went up, people burned people's um, houses and crops and, and actually were hacking people to death with machetes. Some of these people lost family members. Wow. And you need to forgive your neighbor for doing those things. Come over here. And a whole bunch of people came up. And then I said, and if you need, if you don't even have a relationship with God and you need just him to forgive you and come into his family and people, you know, came to the middle. And the beautiful thing was uh, a bishop was at that, was at that meeting um, off to the side. And he came up to me afterward and he said, I needed this today. I had 200 churches that were ruined during this uprising. Wow. And so when God asks us to do things that seem extraordinary, he's usually going to do something extraordinary. Oh, that is great. Wow. 
when God asks us to do something extraordinary, it's because he's going to do something extraordinary. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Wow. And we don't, we may not understand why we're being sent. And so I just try to, I just try to encourage people to not give up on an extraordinary God whose kingdom is built on brilliant principles and mindsets because he can make something beautiful when you come into alignment with him. Even if like I experienced the, the most horrible loss of my life when my soulmate decided to leave the faith. And I, I almost, I thought I was going to die. I thought my life was over. I thought my ministry was over. Um, but God's for the past five years has been remaking my life and still doing extraordinary things. Yeah. So I was going to ask about that because the dark night of the soul or the spiritual desert, the uh, hitting a wall is a really common part of the journey. And so you, you had some serious trauma earlier in your life and kind of had to overcome that. But I know that you had this, this additional journey, this dark night of the soul with when your husband left the faith. What, so what did you learn from that and kind of take us into that um, kind of experience with God. What did you think about God during that time and those kinds of things? Well, I had already learned from my previous trauma to not blame God. Oh, that's good. I actually about three to four times a day at the beginning while I was getting our house ready to sell, I would go on prayer walks and there were two really life uh, preserving things that the Lord did. And the one thing was I was praying while I was crying and I, I was trying to stay out of getting a victim mentality. And that's hard to do when you feel like your arm and leg have been chopped off. Yeah. And when you feel like a victim and maybe you are right. (laughs) Because the other person chose something and you didn't have it or it was an accident And so what happened was I was sitting there praying and I was forgiving, like I teach in my book. Um, And my book wasn't quite out yet. It was partially written. And I was saying, Lord, I forgive him for destroying my life. (laughs) And, And the Lord stopped me. And he said, he's not destroying your life. And I actually stopped walking. Wow. And then the next sentence the Lord whispered in my ear was he's destroying his life as he knew it. And then the sentence that I built the rest of the next five years on only you can destroy your life. Wow. That's pretty powerful. It's profound because I realized that my reactions during the trauma were going to determine my future. I owned it, not what he did. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm sitting with that for a second because I really, I really love that. You're right. I mean, there's, there's some agency in that, right? If you go, Hey, only, only you can destroy your life. Uh, It's not giving away too much power. I had this conversation with my wife the other day. She was upset about something and, or an interaction that we had. And I, uh, she said, well, I'm okay. I asked her if she was okay. She said, I'm okay if, if they're okay with me. And I said, that's a lot of power to give away. And she went, you know what? You're right. 
that is a lot to to do. And so maybe I don't need to give that power to them. But I mean, it's still a hard situation you were in. So you, you may have been a victim, but to not take on a victim mentality is really powerful. And to let God kind of do that. God's really good to say something like that to you. Well, and I believe that um, he, he helped me to come up with five battle cries for people who are going through one of the top 10 stressors because I journaled. There's a whole story behind that, but I journaled during the next four months. And in that, one of the battle cries says, um, it's so beautiful. The first battle cry says, with God's help, I will control my thoughts and words. I will not accept a victim mentality. And then it goes on to how do you reject being a victim is by still taking ownership over the thoughts that you let to you let and you cooperate with during the trauma. And that's why I offer these five battle cries in my book, because the second battle cry says, I will control my response to the pain and trauma. And I will not let this loss rob anything else from me. Because if we can stay in alignment with the word of God, and if we will process it with prayer, with support from other people, and I talk about that in the next battle cry, but the thing is, if we will take ownership of our response and not give our power over to the trauma, whether it's a loss of a child, whether it's foreclosure, whether, whatever, whether it's a health issue, if we will determine that our thoughts and our words are under the power of the Holy Spirit and we're not going to give power over to our emotions and to the trauma of what happened to us, then we can stay in alignment and we can protect the good things in our life that it doesn't have the chance to rob or steal from us. Yeah, absolutely. I think our emotions are important. We need to be aware of them and learn how to deal with them. But sometimes we have to be able to say, okay, I'm not going to respond in that. Um, and that sometimes even just a few seconds to realize that is, is gold, right? And I'm not saying that I'm not saying I didn't have them. Right. Acknowledge them in prayer every day. Lord, this is how I'm feeling. But mm. David acknowledges how he feels, but then he always turns. And the end of the Psalms is always reminding himself of who God is and what God can do in you and through it. And so the sec, and there's one other powerful thing that might help your audience. And that's that the Lord did have to ask me to step out of the shackle of being tied to a dead marriage because my ex-husband asked me for a divorce and I wanted to stay in the marriage because I was in a covenant mindset. Yeah. And I had to let go of my emotional, mental, relational ties, financial ties. And I had to choose to step out of that thing that enemy had really brought into my life and not make that the source 
of what I was going to go forward. Yeah. I, there's so much, um, I don't know how to say it. I mean, I, I totally understand the way that evangelicals, we have this really high view of marriage and I think that's very good. Um, and yet it also can sometimes be damaging the way we talk about it and the way that we, uh, elevate it to a point that it is perhaps, uh, a little bit idolatrous. Um, Oh, okay. Don't, don't, if you don't like that statement, just send me hate email. It's okay. You can go to halfway there podcast.com. It's fine. We can talk about it. Uh, I just feel like that sometimes is the case. And I think it bears out in a lot of, in the experience of people like yourself, where sometimes you just have to go, Hey, this, this happened and I can't ignore it. And, um, God is good through it. And he's, he is better. Well, cause like, you know, right now I'm helping someone who has had people deaths, uh, three, a series of three deaths. She has to be willing to let people go to go into a future right has to like you have to go through the grief process but it's actually a skill to step out of something that's choking you and stealing years of your life don't let that happen right you only get one life and it's your job to I don't want to just say make it count, but it's your job to live into who God has made you to be. That's that's what you need to do. So, okay, tell us a little bit. So you went through this period and you were practicing what you were what you were studying and writing, um, which is which is amazing, sort of interesting practice, right? Tell us about um, kind of finishing the book, put, putting it out, and kind of this ministry that you have. Yeah, the the Lord asked me if I would write a book to tell how He heals and transforms lives. And brings them into freedom and wholeness. And I kind of bucked that until the Lord said, I'm only asking you to share what I already taught you. And so I I wrote the book. And um, then I realized that I had to go through the editing and publishing. (laughs) Now, it's a whole journey of watching for over three years, watching God transform people in a repeatable um, process that other people can repeat without me even being there. And now some people want my personal help and I'll coach them. Some people take the book and teach it to groups. Fantastic. You don't need me. The Lord will do it without me being there. All you have to do is steward the process and work hard on applying it's not necessarily about the intellectual knowledge. It's about working it out in your everyday life over a span of time. Yeah, I love that. I think that's that's really awesome. What can you share with us like one or two stories of ways that you've helped other people that that you're okay that it's okay to share with um cuz I just would love to hear how that goes from something that happened in your life to something that you're helping other people with. Well, actually in my leader group today Uh, someone who came from a very, very, very traumatic past, more traumatic than mine by far, um, is working on the communicate and connect chapter. And she's approaching someone that she has not had good communication with, but she wants to. It's a closer family member. And when she asked them, can we work on active listening together? Can you help me? practice this skill that's in this book. And this person that she's been in relationship with said, 
I've been telling you for years that you have to become a better listener. <laughs> and now the, the person that she's wanted to become a better listener is asking for her help so that she can get to the next level of freedom. And that's the thing is, is it can be someone in their 20s and it can help them have a better marriage and be a better mom. It can be someone in their 60s who's just like, you know what? I'm finally ready to get whole enough that I could actually focus on someone else instead of focusing on my pain. And to me, glory to God, whatever age they are. And this relationship now has a chance to go to, between this family member has the chance to go to the next level. How beautiful is that? Yeah, that's the best. I love that. I think it's great. Um, Julie, thanks for being here and just sharing some of your story with us and your work. Uh, so I just want to tell people where they can get all that. So your website is new life for today. That's the number four today.com. And I'll have links to that at uh, halfway there podcast.com in the show notes. So you guys don't have to remember that while you're out driving or whatever, go find halfway there podcast.com. Uh, and, and the book is incredible life makeover and you can get a free chapter if you go to your website, right? So correct. Yeah. So they can just go there. Um, and, uh, like I said, I've got links at halfway there podcast.com. So it's easy for you to find Julie, anything you want to leave us with? I just want to encourage people that no matter what you're going through, that God's ways and his nature and his unconditional love will help you to get to a place of freedom and wholeness again. And that you don't need me. All the book is and all my teaching to do is to try to get someone to connect to the hem of his garment and he'll do his life transforming work. And I would just love any feedback that your audience would have um, if they're actually, if they buy the book and get a breakthrough, I'd love to hear about it. Awesome. Yeah, guys, if you do and it's uh, you connect with that, uh, definitely connect with Julie. I've got uh, links to everything again, halfway there podcast.com. Julie, again, thank you for being here. I appreciate it. I'm really uh, just blessed by the, the message of forgiveness and uh, I'm glad you're out there sharing it. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me, Eric.